In a world where geek is now chic, what was once deemed nerdy or geeky has become fashionable. What used to be odd and different is now part of mainstream culture. The way we consume our entertainment has changed with the advent of new and meaningful technology. Comic books are no longer stories just for kids. They've become all-age entertainment with mature subject matter, rivaling the depth of the very best novelists. They've become a driving force behind a large portion of American entertainment. Costuming has gone from being a small but loyal subculture to a highly visible art form thanks to science fiction and comic book conventions that celebrate cosplay and fandom. Thanks to Marvel, DC, Star Wars, Star Trek, and many others, the movie landscape has changed forever. Through Doctor Who, Game of Thrones, The Walking Dead, and more, once genre shows are now mainstream rating giant. We are a podcast that looks at the comic book culture. We are a podcast that talks about the cosplay community. We are a podcast that can't help but dissect the movies and shows we watch. We are. We are. We are. The Galaxy Cast. Folks, welcome to this episode of the Galaxy Cast. I have with me three people in the studio. I have with me Eric the Artist. I'm not Batman. I have with me Gary the Stud. I am. And I am Bob Christman, Wonder Woman, better known as. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what else to call myself at this point. So we have several things we want to talk about tonight, and and I think you're going to be interested in all these things, and I definitely think we have some strong opinions about some of this stuff. It'll be interesting to see where we land on it. We are going to take a look at the Jurassic World 2 trailer, better known as Fallen Kingdom. We're going to take a look at the failure of Justice League. Quote, unquote, failure. Believe it or not, one of us has now seen it, so we can now talk about it a little bit, at least somewhat, with some knowledge. We're going to talk about the potential of a Venom movie. And then we're going to talk about the big story of the week, which I think is the inevitable buyout of Fox by Disney. Not, That's right. No, not the entire. No, not the entire of Fox, deal, but, but the, the movie cinematic side. The cinematic side, which for us is the most important side. So Correct. Who cares about the rest of it? So it's inevitable at this point. That's right. It's inevitable. That means that next week there's probably going to be an announcement. announcement. So. All right, Hugh so. Jackman's going to stand there, and he's going to point out and go, Chris Evans, I want you. And that's going to be like, I'm, man, people are going to go nuts. That, I, you know what? If that's the announcement, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> it would be like a drop, you know, mic drop moment. It would be genius if they could yeah, do that. Yeah. So let's talk about the Jurassic World 2 trailer for Fallen Kingdom. Da, na, 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 na. Well, first off, I hope the music is back. I mean, right. it's, it's kind of like, you know... John Williams' music, how can you not bring it back into right. the fold? I mean, it absolutely has to happen. Now, it definitely looks like we've got Chris Pratt back. Yep. We've got Dice Bryce, Bryce Dallas Howard. Right, which is the female who played yes. in the last one who ran around in heels. I hope she runs around in heels again. I really do. <clears throat> yeah. I know that's crazy. I know people are like, why, why, why would you want that? No. And and she's got boots on for some of the yeah. shots, and I'm kind of disappointed in that. But She's more reasonable now. 
<laughs> yeah, apparently she learned from her last time running around in heels. So basically, the gist is, at least from the trailer that we've gotten, is that the 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 island's falling apart, right? Yeah, I mean, the that's, island Ilsa Nubar or whatever Nubler Isla Nubler, Ilsa, yeah, is going volcanic, right? And apparently, there is the thought that there's the question: should these dinosaurs, which are isolated on this island, be allowed to die, or should there be an effort to remove them and preserve their species? Which brings back Jeff Goldblum of all people into into this this particular trailer. Uh, do you guys like that idea of having Jeff Goldblum come back? Oh yeah, absolutely. I loved Jeff Goldblum in the first one. I, I having him back for me is a little iconic. I, I hear he's not a major role in the film. Let's, let's I don't expect he's him not going to be, be running around. I don't think he even goes to the island, runs Probably around. Not. I think he's just a you know maybe a slightly extended cameo. And I wonder if he's going to be the whistleblower in the whole thing. You know what I mean? Like I, he he is the one kind of like I think it was Jurassic World 2 where he was like why would you want to go back to that island are right. you crazy you know like I think he's got to be kind of a whistleblower yeah. type he always had one. the great lines where his his girlfriend there played by uh, Moore what's her name Julian, Julian Moore. Moore Julian Moore she, I'll be back in four or five days you'll be back in four or five pieces <laughs> I, th- I actually thought the second Jurassic Park I, enjoy- I enjoyed it which I thought people a lot of people ragged on I kind of liked it I thought it was cool um, it introduced InGen for the first time, which a lot of people didn't realize, and I thought it introduced it in a way that made InGen look bad. And then InGen was never meant yeah. to be a good company; it was a bad, evil corporation. So you know, I mean, that seems to be the entire gist of the movie, right? Like, I mean, like that's pretty much it. And well, that's what we get from the trailer. From the trailer I wonder anyway. if part of the movie is going to pull a Jurassic Park two and take place on the mainland. Is the di- are the dinosaurs going to get off? Is it all just on the island? Or do the dinosaurs get off the island because it's it's fallen kingdom and it's it's ex, you know it's expanded? Do we go somewhere else? I get what, what you're I'm, saying. So I mean, they, everything we're seeing here might be the first half, and that's true. I mean, it, they're making it seem like the whole island blows up and that's the whole movie and all the dinosaurs jump off the island. Yeah, I mean, because because there's a major sequence here where they're basically running from the explosion of the volcano, which for you science nerds out there is called a pyroclastic flow, <laughs> and wow. it's basically that's what you're seeing right there. It's I, racing after them. I, I just. And, and Chris Pratt gets swallowed up by it. He and, does. And then the next scene you're going to see is them writing blue. Writing what? Blue. Blue? Oh, you think yeah. so? Yeah, yeah. Or a pterodactyl. Like, no, yeah, That'll be blue. Um, Who has suddenly turned into an ostrich because evolution occurred. Yeah. Yeah. But so, <laughs> does the trailer give everything away about the movie? I don't think so. I have a feeling there's more to it than what we're seeing, but. I hope. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, I, I'd like to think that they, they talk about the, the, the damage the island could take. They get there. They start to do, you think the setup is, oh, it's going to be a race to beat the volcano, and then the volcano goes off, and everyone has to get off the island, and it's something more, and that there's more to the story. I would enjoy that more than just the whole movie's on the island with the volcano being the ending. Part of me almost wants it to be, like, the idea that maybe the dinosaurs already left the island, like they're already on another island and another island and another island, and that they discover... Well, I think that was, that was partly the... Th- in, in the, the third books. one, in, well, it was in one the third was in one. The books for sure. But I think it yeah. was in the books that they had, they had expanded. By the second book, I think it was pretty clear that they weren't on just the one island, especially with the pterodactyls. I mean, you can't certain creatures you're not going to be able to control a pterodactyl that's able to fly from place to place. There's just no way to control that. And and part of me wants to see that happen again because I kind of like that. Yeah, I actually liked the third one too. They had the pterodactyls in it, and I know a lot of people again the, railed on that. Third one, one but was felt just kind of there. The only me. reason I didn't like that particular one was they didn't need to introduce the larger 
Megalomonstosaur or whatever the heck it was, the big gigantic oh, one. Oh, the Spinosaurus. Yeah, the one that was bigger than the T-Rex. Yeah, and I was right. just kind of like, you know, is our goal here just to introduce bigger, larger dinosaurs or just to open up dinosaurs and talk about the other types of dinosaurs? Right. You know? so well, I, in Jurassic World, they're the, that's why they made it Indominus Rex there, because bigger and badder. And they, need, they needed something. Yeah, to yeah. Up the, and there's another one the in this. There, there is... Yeah, it's pretty <coughs> obvious you there's see an a, Indominus Rex in this one. You, yeah. well, I don't, it's not the Indominus Rex. It's a new dinosaur. Yeah. I can't remember. They named it already. You can look it up. Oh, but really? it's basically... It's the one you see in a brief shot where... Bryce's character is standing and there's like a rain of dripping fire might be lava pouring over something kind of dripping into an area and it's trying to snap at them uh, and it's coming at them and I can't remember what it is but apparently this is the new kind of baddie in the movie yeah you know that's that's kind of the weird thing with Jurassic Park do they really need to invent a new dinosaur for every Jurassic Park well I don't think this is an invention I think this is one from the fossil record they just took a dinosaur and they've they've, one they haven't used but there wasn't a dinosaur Rex in there though yeah yeah, there was Yeah. yeah When, they, when the T-Rex snapped that, right. that, that's what he snapped at. Right, he snapped at the Indominus. I don't right? think that was an yeah. Indominus. It was too small. Well, it hasn't grown. grown oh, it's, like a, like it's a baby right. Indominus. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Which means that the Indominus had to have kids somewhere, which leads me back to my... But it was... It was. It must have been... I mean, how quickly? Because it, it escaped from its paddock, was on the island for a little while. Spoiler alerts from the first Jurassic World. It was eaten at the end by a giant <laughs> sea creature, the sea monster well, there, that came up and yanked it. The, it yanked there, there it under could, the water. There could have been um, other... Um, Indominus rexuses. They could have had eggs or something. or well, other clones being, being made, created. And they, they escaped and right. have been growing. So, yeah, I could see that. I mean, it is in gen. Maybe <clears throat> yeah. that was the ultimate one they made, and there were other smaller ones they had started Producing playing around with, with you yeah. know, playing... They're in cages somewhere. Right, yeah. But then we have to kind of address the whole... You know, elephant in the room here is that even though there's really cool scenes in this trailer, and there's the big shots at the end of the, uh, them in the bathosphere thing falling mm-hmm. into the ocean and dinosaurs falling around them, and a, you know, uh, he's disappeared into a cloud of ash. So, oh my God, is Chris Pratt dead? Of course not. And explosions and fire. The the trailer didn't have the big moment like the first trailer did. You remember the big moment from Jurassic World? The no, last shot of the trailer. It. Chris Pratt riding a motorcycle with the velociraptors running next to him and everyone lost their mind over that they're like that's fantastic trained velociraptors and he's riding a motorcycle and he was the ultimate bad mother you know he just and it was like such a great moment I think they imply it in this one when he comes up to Blue and Blue doesn't just tear his head off. He's right. like, you know me. But you it, know it me. wasn't him riding a motorcycle. With, no. They needed some over-the-top moment. Uh, that's why I say it. The smoke's going to clear and he's going to be riding Blue. <laughs> <laughs> but they should have put something like that in the trailer to end that moment with. No, you know what? I want to surprise everybody on it. The one thing I am surprised they didn't do in this trailer, the end of Jurassic World. What was the big takeaway at the end of Jurassic World? Not that everybody got off the island, but what was the other part of it? The InGen got away with all of their stuff. Like, they still ran away with all the DNA and all the information. Like, where was InGen in the trailer? Like, I wanted to see just a little bit. Like, show me the Wong, BD Wong. I think, walking he's, around he's, with a briefcase. I think he's cast in this one. I think he's I'm sure back he for some is. Role. I'm just saying. Like, I wonder what? if it'll be the court scene, though. Like we see Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, He'll maybe. just be there, you know, talking about. That would be a shame, though. I'd rather would. see him walking around with a briefcase and like there's a secret island somewhere where they've with been a, with testing a can, things with a can you know? of Barbersol in it, and it's inside <laughs> that it's got a cooling system to keep the samples. Yeah, <laughs> we we got Dodson. We got Dodson here. Remember that scene? I remember. <laughs> That's when he first introduces the Barbersol can. And he's talking to Dodson, who's the guy he's trying to sell the DNA to. 
and they're in Costa Rica. Oh, the whole thing where he's like, no one cares. Right, and he's, he, yeah, and he's praised, he's like, uh, you know, and he, and he goes, you know, don't use my name, and he's like, Dodson, we got Dodson over here. See, nobody cares. Mm. I, I, I use that line on my wife all the time, you know. <laughs> I, I do, like, every once in a while, she's like, you know, be careful with that. I'll be like, Dodson, Dodson, see, nobody cares, you know, like, I, I've been it's, in a mall. too bad. And, and done that, and she's just like, oh, shut it's up. It's too bad she's that what's-his-name passed away. We could have had the, the Great Hunter back. The Great Hunter? From Jurassic World 2. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't think of the actor's name. He played uh, Kobayashi in Usual Suspects and Pete Postlewhite. Postlewhite. He played the uh, okay, yeah, the hunter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, he shot oh, the T-Rex. Yeah, he wanted to hunt yeah, the T-Rex. Yeah, okay, now and I if you've ever seen the extended version... He was version, the one with the gun, the sniper style If you've style ever gun, seen yeah. the extended version of Jurassic Park 2, he's yeah. got like a great scene that got cut where they meet him the first time in yep. like a restaurant. And he beats up a bunch of guys with one hand tied behind his back yeah, for like I saw half that. his age. Yep. And he, his character was awesome, and it got sliced up, unfortunately, for the theatrical release. I always thought he was great, but he passed away, so it would have been nice to I, have uh, him true. come back as that character. Don't don't give Disney any ideas. <laughs> uh, they'll, they'll Peter Cushing him. That's what I was gonna say. It'll be a Peter Cushing. Uh, just just bring Vince Vaughn back in. <laughs> I wonder if that's the, what they're gonna do now. If they should start calling digital actors Cushings. Cushings. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna Cushing this. So I mean, I'm interested. I want to see some more trailers. I'll probably go see it. I, I love Jurassic Park. I love the Jurassic World movie. I liked it. So, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not will, a total sell on it. It but. will depend completely on what's out at the time. Like, if yeah. I'm seeing two other movies within three or four weeks of yeah, it... I'll give you that. I'll be... That I, I have to see more. It'll depend. But it's one that I think I could enjoy. Well, is this something you'd you go see, Gary? I mean, like... No, I've seen them all. I might as well I go see, see this one. Say, you might as well go see this one, right? Like, you're kind of in the same boat <laughs> I am. Like, it's it's like a ride. You know, you've already ridden yeah, this far well, on the ride. Why wouldn't you just keep going, you know? Like, it, it's like Black Panther, right? I don't... I haven't seen anything that makes me want to go see it yet. But you'll still go but see I'll go, it. So I'll still go see it. Because yeah. it's a Marvel movie. <laughs> I've seen them all. I have to watch right. them to see what's going on. <laughs> so, oh, no, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to say it. No, no, no. Okay, so, which is ironically let, leads us into our next thing. Talking about movies we want to go see or maybe don't want to go see. Yes. Justice League. <laughs> so there was an One article. of the three of us have seen it. One of these people That's is right, not like, like the others. others. Go ahead. Take a guess, wild guess who went to go see... Uh, no, it's okay. I'll tell you guys. It's me. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Just- he saw Spoiler Justice alert. League. I saw Justice League. I saw it last week. And it's 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 interesting because we walked out of the theater in my family with two reactions. We walked out with Tara and I going, it wasn't that bad. You know, like we both said maybe it got a little bit bad of a, a review. And then my wife that basically walked out and looked at me and said, huh? Right. <laughs> she didn't even know what to think of it. And I'm not knocking my wife, but... It did dawn on me when she said, I don't know who Cyborg is. I went, oh. Like, they don't do anything in that movie to introduce Cyborg. They don't do anything to introduce Flash. They really don't get you to connect with some of these characters. Honestly, and she said, if I didn't know what I knew about Batman, I'd have been confused about him, too, because who's Gordon? I don't know who he is. They really don't tell me that's Gordon. I kind of make the assumption it is. You need to have at least a more than cursory knowledge of the comic book stories Correct. to walk into this. Right. And and so if you're somebody who's like my wife who doesn't like read comic books like we do on a very geeky level, some of this stuff's confusing. And then I thought about, wait a minute, like even the Justice League she grew up with didn't have a cyborg in right. it. Right, right. I never read any the, comics with cyborgs. She, she watched the later. Super Friends yeah. ones back you know in the 70s when we watched and – and so that, you know, and she even, she, it took her half the movie to understand that Jason Momoa was 
Aquaman because he looks nothing like the Aquaman not, we grew up with. It's not. You know? She didn't. She understood he was an underwater character, right? But didn't make the connection with the character she knew from the blonde-haired, orange Correct. shirt character from a long time ago because of that lack of connection. And they didn't really make it obvious that it was Aquaman. Right. I everyone, mean, they assume, with you. They made an assumption. By now, everyone knows who he is. It's like, right. oh, everyone who cares knows who he is. But here's the thing. You've still got people going to see this movie who may not know these things. I mean, it's right. it's going to be a smaller percentage, but they're out there. I mean, we know one personally, clearly. <laughs> my my wife, if I went, she might have issues. With, she wouldn't know who Cy- – she knows Jason Momoa as Aquaman – um, because she knows of him from from other shows and Game of Thrones, and you know she's seen the news about him, she probably wouldn't have a clue who Cyborg is. Uh, Flash, she'd probably figure out. But just as an example of how Marvel's doing it better, Marvel has an enormous amount of fan base yep. that do- that sees the movies that doesn't read the comics. You're right. They You're right. they and they haven't. And and it's sometimes comic nerd, you know, the comic community complains about it going oh these people are not true fans but here's the thing marvel did it well enough and completed those stories and those character arcs and back histories enough cinematically you don't have to have read the comics to follow these movies and if that's the major problem that dc's having and it comes back to what i said before they rushed it they didn't earn this team movie they rushed it because they're like we're already three Avengers, you know, we're into our third Avengers movie and 17 Marvel movies and we got to catch up. So right. our fourth movie is going to be a team movie already. You didn't get there yet. You didn't, you didn't earn it. Yeah. And, and it's interesting well, fifth too. Movie, fifth movie. I, think I also it. think Marvel backwards planned it in another way too, though. I, I, I do truly believe a lot of people saw the Marvel movies and then went, I should start reading some comics. Oh, I'm sure there's some that did that. I, yeah. I, there actually is. I mean, Marvel said that after, was it Captain America? I mean, it was Civil War. They started seeing a slow uptick, and then within the past five years, there's been an almost 10% increase in digital readership. They've admitted their their physical copy sales are still going down. They're more expensive. And- They're more expensive, but the digital readership is going up in droves. I mean, by 10 to 15% a year at this point, <clears throat> which I have to admit, like I like that because when I read a comic book digitally... I have it with me everywhere I go. So if I have five minutes, I can just sit down and pull it out and on my tablet and read it, which is the convenience of the digital. It sucks to an extent because I know I'm not getting the art the way I want it. It's not, you know, I I, I, I suffer for the artist because I know what it does to the artist when it's all digital and it's not on paper. And right. part, part of me feels for well, that. Well, here's the thing. Some of them are still doing it on paper. I mean, they'll do right. the original pencil. Right. And the pen and ink and the breakdown on a page, scan it, let the rest be done digitally, and they've got that original page art to sell. To sell, right. Either at a convention or to collectors or whatever. And so artists who are working purely digitally don't get that original to sell. Right. But a lot of them like to work. I like to work digitally. So it's right. it's kind of a give and take. It's a weird give and take, and I totally get that. So, so the real question at hand is, does DC need to change it up? Like, are, are they... <clears throat> are they at a point right now where they've either – I don't know. Do you reboot? Do, do you reboot well, at this point? As we've just read in the articles, one character might be getting a reboot. Well, it, it certainly sounds like they're pushing for a Batman reboot. Um, I don't know how I feel about that because I, I actually don't despise Affleck's – Batman. The little bit I saw of him, no. And if you were to watch this movie, you would like him a little more. Uh, you definitely get more of the brooding Batman out of this Batman movie. 
of the Batmans I've seen in the incantations, and, and see, this is the weird thing where I'm I'm not like other people. I didn't mind the George Clooney Batman. I don't think it was awful. I actually you just lost a whole bunch of people. I know I did, that. but I don't care. It wasn't the best Batman, but it wasn't awful. I still think that the Michael uh, Keaton Keaton Batman is to me in my eyes still the best Batman out there. I, I just more than more than. Uh... The trilogy, the Dark Knight trilogy. I'm not a fan of the Dark Knight trilogy. I really, the the storyline was just too all over the map for me. It didn't totally interconnect, right? And so that turned me off to that mm-hmm. storyline. Even though I know it's not supposed to, and I get it, and that's how Zack Snyder wanted to tell the story. But I'm not a fan of that. I, I just didn't like the way that that came out. Not Christopher Nolan. Or Christopher Nolan. Thank you, not Zack Snyder. Um, but on the other hand, I also liked, and, and I'm going to get into that a lot of hate. I liked Jim Carrey as the Riddler. I'm sorry. I know a lot of people didn't. <clears throat> I liked him as the Riddler. I didn't like the story behind the Riddler they provided. Right. So they that have, wasn't his Here's fault. the thing. Jim Carrey today, where if you've seen him, he's got this more serious kind of, he's, people keep calling him woke. You know, he's, yeah. he's very meditative and very yeah. philosophical about uh-huh. everything. Put that carry with a darker glint in his eye into an older Riddler. Yeah, and that would have pulled, pulled it off pretty well. <laughs> that I could know. be pretty cool right now. Yeah, but and and I get and and part of I think what drew people out of that movie with Jim Carrey was that I really don't think Tommy Lee Jones made a good dead or uh, Two Face. So no. so it was really weird because you had this really strong character to me playing the Riddler, but then you gave the Riddler a really cruddy story with the stupid movie set thing, which was kind of dumb. But then you put Two Face in there, but you give him kind of a, a he acts a weak he, actor, and he, and he and, acts like Jim Carrey. It's like he was trying to choose yeah, instead of like, playing the strong right. type. He almost also he played it over the top as well. Right. And that could have been the direction and what everyone was doing. But to me, the Two Face was never supposed to be comedic, and he played it comedically. Well, uh, again, it's a case of too many uh, villains in a movie. I'll agree with you there. Yeah, by having both of them together, plus who else was in that movie? Well, they had Batman, and then they introduced Robin, I believe, in that one, right? Yeah, Robin was introduced, Bane. and two vi- two was villains. Bane, Batgirl, and no, Bane. No, no, that Bane, was the that third was, one. That was the third one that I I that totally just yeah. that I disavow. I'm not sorry, one, I, that's one. the one I'm like no. Well, no, that's the one with George Clooney. Was that what is that? George okay, Clooney well, was the well, one. What I'm saying is, I don't mind Batgirl and okay, Bane. Okay, so I didn't mind George Clooney as Batman in it. And but, I agree. I think if they had given him a much better movie, right? He but could the have rest been, of the movie was total garbage because, yeah. like, Schwarzenegger is. I'm sorry. Yes. Like no, <laughs> like no. So so I I don't like I said I come from a weird place, but yet yet I look at the Ben Affleck Batman as a, a decent Batman. I think he's a nice middle of the road that everybody can gleam onto. Why would you bother thinking about getting rid of him? I don't I, think I it's just, I don't think it's them thinking of getting rid of him. I think he wants out. I don't think he's enjoying and, it. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that. Warner Brothers don't know what to do with the, their franchise that they got. Yeah, like if they had some sort of direction at this point. You know, I know it, it sounds awful, and I, I I, mean, yeah, they're firing people left and right, and they're trying to bring people in, and they're, they're, they're looking in the wrong direction. They need to find the fans. I mean, like, seriously, go get a Kevin Smith. And I really do think somebody like Kevin Smith could come in, clean house, tell them what to do, and get it back on track. But they got to be willing to listen to somebody like that, and they got to be willing to understand that if you bring in a Kevin Smith, you got to give him complete control. Don't tie the guy's hands. Like bring him in and be like, "But you can't do this, and you can't do no." Just bring him in and fix it. Just fix this thing, and and uh, you know. But that's a lot of trust. You're you're giving one person a lot of trust, and I can see why Ben Affleck would want out because, from what we've heard, 
he originally was brought in to do this and then to write and direct his own Bat trilogy. Correct. He was going to be a director. He's going to be a writer. Then they suddenly took that kind of away from him. Yep. He probably had all these agreements when he started that was like, well, you know, we're going to have you do all this, but it might not have been completely written or he might, they might be changing, blah, 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 whatever. Rum- I, rumor is in private he's admitted the Batman that's there is not the Batman he wanted. Yeah, well, it's not – yeah, it's not, it's not his story <laughs> anymore and it's not his to do. And I think he's just – he's like, yeah. He sees the writing on the wall I think for – at least this iteration of everything, it needs to modify and he doesn't need to be there for the modification. So do you, do you, okay. So there, I think there's two solutions for DC here. The first solution is you backwards play this whole thing. So you give your cyborg story. We already know Aquaman's in production. We've seen wonder woman. You give your flashback story. Flashback. (laughs) (laughs) Flashback story. And then you say, well, those were meant to be before or between Batman versus Superman. That's what they should call it. Before story? The, the movie. Oh. The flashback. Should be called Flashback. Flashback? That actually would be <laughs> and it funny. And pre- it would be a prequel about his origin. That actually would be funny, actually. <laughs> but so so you could say that these are supposed to be quote-unquote prequels and supposed to be between Batman versus Superman and Justice League. And you could try to fix it that way. Now, that's, that's option A. I mean, option B to me is clear the slate. Right. <laughs> Which... Okay, so if you clear the slate, what do you do? Do you fire everybody and hire all new actors and actresses? Do you keep certain people? Like, do you keep Henry Cavill and Gail Godot, but maybe the other ones go, you know, like, I don't know how you do that, and still have some integrity when it's all said and done. I don't know how you do that. I really don't. Well, since uh, Wonder Woman did so good, keep her around. <coughs> this is what I would do. I'd keep her around. Yeah. I like Henry Cavill as Superman. A lot of other people don't. I don't he, think he's bad. He's he was good. okay. The thing is, I've only seen him be... I haven't seen Justice League. I know he's in it to some extent. Hopefully he's the Superman I kind of want to see. The whole first movie, he felt like... Like I said, I felt like I was watching Alien Man, not Superman. The only time I felt like he was Superman was right at the end when he crashed the satellite and the the... The, he said to the sergeant there, the, uh, the military guy, I know you're just trying to find out where I hang my cape. You know, and if I suddenly All I felt will say some is Superman. the Superman you're looking for, ironically, is not in a Superman movie. He, he is in Justice Right, League. and I'm hoping. And then, in in because he wasn't in Batman vs. Superman either. No. He was too dark and too just no. sad about everything. And just blah, blah, blah. So I'm hoping, I like him. I think he has the look and the appearance. I want to see him do a Superman movie where he's Superman. Like, a not just Justice League, that whatever he's in. I want to see a, an entire Superman movie The where end of this Superman. movie gave me hope that maybe there could be a, a, a better version of Superman coming. More like the Reeves, Christopher Reeves version that I like. The one that cared... Remember how I complained? What was the one problem with Henry Cavill? What did he, what did he not care about? Humanity. Right. He never... He didn't seem to in the story the way they wrote it. Towards the end of this movie, you get a chance to see okay, that. Okay, good. So finally, it was like, oh, well, where, where's this Superman been? I'm almost wondering if like that was the whole story was like he had to go through all this tribulation and all these trials in order to care about humanity. I, I maybe that's what they were trying to go for. I don't know. I, I didn't get it, but you know, you do get to see part of that in this one. You know, uh, part of me says, and how's Wonder Woman? Is she good? Oh, I thought she was pretty good in this movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And there were some seriously badass parts for Wonder Woman in this movie that was, like, really good. Like, like very well put together. Part of me says you could. <laughs> so this is where my DC side kicks in. You could play this off as, well, this was Earth-22. And Flash could 
change to Earth One, right? And we could <clears throat> reboot the whole thing, and that would fix it. But Gal Gadot could still be Wonder Woman. Henry Cavill could still They'd be have Superman. To cha- change up the way they play it a little bit. They change could the change costumes. it up, right? Slightly change costume, slightly change Superman. That would, that would confuse. And then you could Here's reboot the thing. it. We as comic book fans would get it, but once again. It's that same thing I said Marvel can do. They can tell a story that the masses get. Your masses that don't read comics would just sit there going, what is going on? These would be the same people who didn't were wondering why there was another Death Star in Rogue One. Well, I, I, say, this, <laughs> I say this could work because only because they're doing it well in the Flash TV series. Because they just did Earth X. They did an Earth 2023. 20, yeah, how far? How, what season is it in Flash? We're season in? How many hours of Flash oh, yeah, have they given you before you got, everyone right. watching it has gotten used to that? They can then change up that. I get that. You're right. And you might have to have a two-part Flash arc like over two movies to be able to explain that. Yeah. But I'm saying that that's a possibility where you could do the quote-unquote Earth travel thing See, and reset. Way before there was ever any... <laughs> this is just an aside. But way before there was ever a cinematic Marvel Universe or anything and they were doing the multiple Batmans with the different characters, right. I always thought a great Batman movie would have been to get Michael Keaton to come back and play Batman and to keep Val Kilmer as before Clooney, keep Val Kilmer as his Batman, but somehow there's an Earth alternate universe split. They both exist at the same time. And I wanted Kilmer's Batman to show up in the Gotham City that yeah, that okay. Keaton's is in and it, comment and just look around and be like, you guys having a blackout? Because it was like, <laughs> right, it's it was always, always so dark. dark there and so bright right. in his and just do things like that. And I'm like, oh, they could have done such cool things and used everybody. <laughs> Right. And, uh, you know, this is long so before the thing. So I, the power bill. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think that was one of the lines I was thinking. So stuff like that would have been great, you know? Yeah. I think you can do that if you explain it well enough. But like you said, I think they need they more need than a, one they movie. They need a series arc They build that, yeah. But the thing is, uh, keep the actors that you have there. Okay, Affleck wants to leave, fine. What are they signing in as Batman? Has to sign on for fifteen. Movies. <laughs> I agree. I mean, you have to though. No, I mean, and, like, and hold him to his contract. Right, right. You almost you almost have to pull a, a Chris Hemsworth or a Chris Evans kind of contract and say, "Listen, you're Batman for from now till two thousand, you know, twenty five or the whatever." The biggest it one is, ever you know. was Sam Jackson as Nick Fury. That's true. Is Nick nine Fury. picture nine deal. deals when yeah. he started? He signed a nine picture deal. Now, granted, some of those have been just cameos, right. very brief, but he's done a nine picture deal. And it worked out well. I, you know, I just you could do it. You could do it and because I, I, I don't know about you guys. I'm tired of seeing a, a new Batman, a new Batman, and a yeah. reboot all the time. I know. Well, that's and that's the. I like feel that way about Superman a little bit though too <laughs> because we've done that so many times too. I'm I'm done with the Superman reboots. And, and but, my, but Superman is as bad as uh, Batman. I'll agree with you. And like my wife said, she says if I see anybody break a pearl necklace off of a woman again. Because of the Batman backstory, I'm going to hurt somebody. I'm like, that's my wife, who really doesn't know the Batman backstory that well, but she knows it way too well now. Mm. She's like, seriously, the pearl necklace, I'm done with it. That's, I'm like, I was so that's excited. That's how she feels. I saw know? Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah. They didn't. They did one line right. where he says to his buddy, but he's like, how'd it happen? I got bit, I got bit by a spider. <laughs> but like, we didn't see the spider I, come right. down and bite they him. Did, we didn't just, need to. They just played with the idea yeah. of, oh, you all seen the backstory tons. You right. don't need it. Right. And I thought that was awesome. Yep. Well, which is what I liked about Batflick there when he came on as... Batman and Superman versus Batman. Right, they just kind of brought they, it into the They touched a little bit about it. And that right. Was it. So the question is, if they replace Affleck as Batman, who do you place him with? Now, the rumors right now are Jake Gyllenhaal, which... <laughs> like, I mean, if part you see, of me just went to yeah. puke all over the screen. I don't think he, he's too. His eyes, he doesn't have the intent. I mean, he can be intense, I guess, but he's got this look that I just don't see him wearing the cowl and having the intimidating he jawline. Still and face. looks like a kid he's, to yeah, me. He's built. He got really jacked, especially to play that. a boxer in a recent movie. I mean, yeah. he's got a. He's great in shape, but he's not 
I just don't see him as Batman. He I doesn't just, have the intensity. He's still, I mean, even older. I know, I know he's supposed to, you know, I, I don't know. Even older, with the beard and everything, he still looks like a kid. There's something about his eyes. I, I, I don't know. There's just something about him. He's got, I'm not he's saying got, it's a bad thing. He's got sleepy eye, not intense eye. Maybe that's it. You know, <laughs> and it's not a bad thing. I mean, like, he's good for the roles he plays, but I just, Batman is not it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't see him in that role. The other option is John Hamm. Now, now we've looked at some pictures with John Hamm and looking at, like, his jawline and, and, and his, the look of his face. And we were like, can you imagine a cowl I, over I mean, First of all, he is Bruce Wayne. He, he definitely he, can pull that he off. He pretty yes. much is Bruce Wayne because he's been kind of that guy, the money no, guy. If you've ever seen the Mad Men TV yeah. show, I mean, that he totally <clears throat> was that person on Mad Men. So the question is, how could he look in the cowl and how could he do that side? Correct. I think he could pull it off. But looking at it, I, I really think he could pull it off. And actually, I think he'd be the better choice of the two. Oh, yeah. Uh, the real question is, could he act the role right. so of who, Batman? And who, I think he could. I think he's a pretty good actor. Did you ever see him on... Oh, what was it he was on for a little while? He was on 30 Rock. Oh. And he kind of played against type. He was like this moron who didn't know anything. And he did it great. Watch, I didn't watch 30 Rock. He basically all that played much. this character who was like, he was so handsome that he got through life just bumbling and everyone uh-huh. just did stuff for him. He thought every, people, get, you know, they extremely, they did it. It's a comedy. Right. So they went extreme. But people like, gave him stuff for free, never had to pay anything for anything. <laughs> he And he just kind of bumbled through life. But he played this kind of moronic character so well. It was so against what he's played in other movies. I think he's a really good actor. So let me ask you guys this. Who would be the dream Batman actor? Man, this is tough. John Cena. <laughs> John Cena. <laughs> that would be one big Batman suit, let Have me you? tell you. So you think James McAvoy could pull it off? Look at him now. I think he could. <laughs> well, the way he looks now, yeah. <laughs> he's getting, he's I got to admit, he's, he's definitely beefed up quite he a bit. Quite a bit, for this, especially for this role, but it's pretty neat. But So this is the problem. We say, and I'm only bringing this up because we say dream casting, because we're trying to picture someone who already looks the part. Right. But who could transform into the part. There's a lot of actors out there who probably could that aren't quite there yet. And part of me also says you have a potential in something else. You've got this Gotham show that has this huge following. You have this teenage kid that pretty much is not going to be a teenager much longer. Why not God, crusher him into the movie? Every time they cross the universes with the TV and stuff, it's like it's like they don't want to do it. It's it's the I don't, ultimate. I don't understand them. Like poison you, or something. I know. It's like I don't understand it because you've got this like thing that you could be using to move into the Batman or the Flash or Supergirl or I mean like like I said, it's really sad that Earth X was better than the entire Justice League movie. It's really sad. It really is. But it, it says a lot though. So all right, I was just curious what you guys thought. I, I don't. Have I don't someone. have an, somebody out in mind either. Like back in the day, if you'd have asked me, I probably would have been a Keaton or George Clooney type and been like, yeah, 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 those guys could play the role. There's nobody today that really sticks out to me as like that guy could totally play Batman. You know, like there's just not. I don't know. There's no actors around today that say strike me as like that's got to be Batman. You know, right. I just I don't know. Okay, so our next topic, briefly, briefly. there's not a lot to talk about. <laughs> Is this rumor? Well, it's pretty much. It's in production. It's not in production. <laughs> it came out at is it Comic Con in Brazil, CCXP, whatever that is. I mean, it's been out for a little while. I've been hearing about the movie for a little. There's while. There's been rumors but, for about it for a while. But they're bringing this up. But now. they finally released a what what basically is a banner for it, which is the we haven't even said what it is Venom, and it's the Spider-Man Venom, but it's not. So and other people have probably covered this to death, but now you're going to hear us cover it to death. 
Well, maybe or maybe not. They might not even know it's out there yet because I got to admit, I didn't. Till we, you said something, I didn't even know it was something that was being talked about. And I, it's, it's. <laughs> they're calling it a Spider-Man spinoff, but it doesn't have Spider-Man in it. And officially, apparently, doesn't take place in the same universe as Spider-Man: Homecoming, which ties into the Marvel universe. So what we were talking about, and we wanted to talk about on here, is how does that happen? Like. How does this fit into the greater realm of the Marvel Cinematic Universe if it's not even in the same universe? So Venom's out there, but he's not in the same universe. I, I don't... I mean, part of me says, interesting. The other part of me says, why bother if you're going to do that? Like, And then the other side of me says, how do you do Venom without Spider-Man? Like, what's the point? It's just, is it going to be a story where literally Venom is now, he's the Venom we know, but his history is, well, an alien came down and bonded with a guy, and now he's part alien. Well, in that case, is it really Venom? Because it's not from the Venom universe. Even if you make him look like Venom, he's not from the Spider-Man universe. He's not a Spider-Man symbiote. He didn't get the whole look by getting the idea from Peter Parker dressed as Spider-Man. So it's like, what is the point of this? Which says to me that movie that I watched not too long ago, and I'm forgetting the name of it, where they were in space and the creature started going into people's bodies and, and, and wrecking them from the inside out. And I can't remember the name of it. Was uh, it Life? Uh, yeah, yeah, Life. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds was in it, right? Yeah, yeah Ryan Reynolds was in it. I didn't see it. It could have been a Venom story based there, on this. The, like, that was the rumor. And that was the rumor, if you remember. That it was we we talked Venom about prequel. that a while ago. And, and based on what we're reading from the storyline, that could have been it. Like, okay, It would have been nothing in the Marvel Universe at all, but it just... It for some reason they don't feel like Venom needs to be in the Marvel universe. Why? Even worse, it's pretty much not 100 percent confirmed, but believed that Carnage is the bad is going to be the bad guy in this movie. How do you have a Carnage? Did they say, oh well, there was a symbiote? They introduced the fact that there is a symbiote that it binds with someone, and maybe part of it went to somebody else and went crazy and made a second one. You didn't even introduce the first no. one. Now there's two. No, because I don't know a lot about Spider-Man. I know a lot about Venom, but. It, how did Carnage come about in the comic books? Like, I remember Venom was an alien that came down and, like, bonded with Spider-Man, made Spider -Man, the Black Spider-Man. Black Spider-Man, the black-suited Spider-Man came right. from Secret Wars. When they were on another planet, That's right, he got yeah. inside of a thing, a glob hit him, and made a suit. Right. Um, when he came back to Earth, everyone thought it was just some sort of space-age suit for a while until they realized it was alive. It was an alien symbiote right. that was living off of him. It was making him more powerful, but it was altering his mind. In the end, he had to be separated from it. Right. It went, it bonded with somebody else and became Venom. It became someone who hated, it bonded with someone who hated Peter Parker. Right. And the symbiote hated Peter Parker and Spider-Man, so it basically became something that hated Spider-Man, became his nemesis, became right. Venom, and there was Venom. Part of so I think Carnage was part of Venom. Okay. Merging with someone else who was insane. Okay. I th but I don't know the whole story because Carnage all kind of yeah. came in right I, when I quit following. I think Carnage was. Uh, we could Google this, of course. We like probably could, but I was just like <laughs> took over a guy that was a mass murderer and stuff. Yes, and yes. Why, and what was his? Was... I can't remember the guy's name. But ben, basically, Carnage was supposed to be the terrifying anti-anti. Monster. So even farther to the yes. to the other side than Venom was. Yes, okay. because eventually Venom became kind of an anti-hero. Right. And they brought in uh, when when the original host for Venom died, it attached to Flash Thompson. Flash Thompson. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't Flash. It was Eddie Brock first that it attached to, who hated right. Peter Parker. It then attached to Flash Thompson, 
and became kind of an anti-hero and right. became officially Agent Venom, which you said worked for S.H.I.E.L.D. for a while. Right. He worked for S.H.I.E.L.D. and was, was a kind of a big go-to for S.H.I.E.L.D. and protected them and also helped them do- hunt down some big baddies at right. point uh, in time. Uh, so here's all this story. If, if, getting, I, if I remember correctly, though, it's not Flash Thompson that's Agent, Agent Venom. No, at that point it was a different it, character. It's a, mil- it's a military guy. Okay. Right. Okay. Which is why he carries the guns and stuff. Okay. Correct. But So look at all this history it takes to get to Agent Venom. And all the history of comics. We're talking, Agent Venom is what, within the past five years, six uh, years? Not even, I think it's even sooner than that. I think it's past three. And it was. It started in 1985 with Secret Wars or right. whatever. So you're talking almost 30 years to get to this character. And they want, from what we hear, this first Venom movie that has nothing to do with Spider-Man to be about an Agent Venom. Yeah. How on earth do you jump to this? The, the same way they did the first Punisher movie with Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> well, Punisher's backstory is not you complex. Just, you just jump to it. <laughs> Military <laughs> guy has his family mur- murdered, decides to go on revenge. Well, there you go. You've explained yeah, the Punisher. That's a Punisher. He's and, not that complex. Yeah. But Venom, it, to get to Agent Venom, is these multiple jumps. Or you just don't make all the multiple jumps and you jump right into the... A guy, it's a guy who was a military well, man who had an alien attached to him. There you go. And that's what they're going to do. And they're, yep. it's not Venom. Right. But Why are you ma- calling it a Venom movie? But it doesn't movie, matter because it's, it's not part of this Marvel Cinematic. Exactly. So, it's all good. so why even call it Venom? I, for the, that's Better the thing. yet, this why, is why bother I'm making it? This is why I'm mad. They're riding off the name recognition yeah. for something that isn't the character. Right. You're <laughs> right. And that's just outright lying. Yep. I agree with you. And I don't care that they got Tom Hardy to play the role. Why the hell are you doing this? That That's my big thing. Why bother if none of this ties in? So love to hear your thoughts on that. So... Our final. I know I'm moving past that, but I'm sorry. We can't spend a lot of time. Yeah, that's a tough one. Our our final thing we want to talk about here for the beginning of the podcast is the inevitability. Disney is buying the cinematic side of Fox Studios. It seems to be. Oh, it's not seems. I mean, well, yeah, it seems to be inevitable. If it happens, Uh, we're going to have an announcement. Basically, we're going to have an announcement within a week. And from what I'm understanding, from everybody I've read online that I've talked to who's in the industry, it's a done deal. Um, Now, this makes Disney a pretty big giant at this point. Which is why there's still complaints about Monopoly, Monopoly, Monopoly. And i got to admit, with my son going into the industry, I'm kind of like worried. Like, And, and, you know, some of his friends have made the point that when you get a big company like this, if you tick them off once... And you're now sitting on the outside. There's no way to ever get back on the inside of anything. Where at least back in the heyday, you had MGM, you had Paramount, you had TriStar, you had Disney, you had Fox, you had, I'm trying to remember all the the major studios. I mean, Universal. Universal. I mean, like, you think about all these major studios. We still have Universal. We still have Universal. Universal. We still have. We have TriStar Paramount. TriStar Paramount. Which is semi failure right now, but it's still there. But when you think about the big conglomerate, that there's only one now. That there used to be yeah. tons, you know? And it's kind of scary when you think about it. So if Disney purchases the Fox name, we know now that means that Marvel is about to go through a humongous change. Humongous. So now we know the X-Men, Deadpool... Fantastic Four and all of their creative characters. Silver Surfer, Doctor Doom, Galactus. They all uh, new mutants. New mutants. Just, all just of it. mutants in general. The just huge mutants. mutant banner right. that Marvel hasn't been able to say the word. Right. 
all that suddenly becomes goes under this particular banner. And the other part that I kind of wondered now is this Fox? This is not Fox TV, is it? No, TV. That's broadcasting. So then, how does the show The Gifted? fit into this and i don't know if you've been watching gary but i've been watching right up to the end of this this half season it is an awesome show if you haven't watched the gift for goodness sake go watch the gifted it is what every like mutant tv show should have ever been like it's awesome and they only have a couple named mutants in it like polaris and a couple others blink blink polaris, polaris and, uh, and the pro star guy yeah proud star and that's about it. I mean, as far as the major characters, but it works and it's awesome. But then I'm sitting here going, oh, come on. Tell me the one good thing that Fox put together for mutants is suddenly going to get lost because nah, Disney's going to buy it right. or they're going to buy the other part of it. And now these guys can't use that. I don't know. That upsets me a little. But I <clears throat> I, I, I actually think that any of the Marvel names, like the, the, the ones that they're using for the gifted and stuff, yeah. will become part of the cinematic universe. Yeah. All right. I think it's in, all included with it. Probably. I would imagine it is. You know, because if they're going to go after Netflix for their... Well, that's, well, we'll talk about that in a second, because that's you know, the other well, thing. You know, if they're going to go after them, then that's probably part of the deal. Well, let, let's talk about that. The rumor is right now that it's in, in court currently, and that it's, it's going to go to trial soon, that Disney's suing Netflix also, because they want Daredevil, they want Luke Cage, they want... Uh, Jones, Jessica Jones, the Defenders, Defenders. They want Iron it back. Fist, yeah, they're, they're Punisher. Punisher. They're basically telling Netflix that's ours. Those names we owned, those characters we owned, and just because you we let you produce the TV show doesn't mean you own it. We own it, but we'll let your name on it if we show it on our. And part of this has to do with their streaming service. Disney wants to launch a streaming service. I think it's by the end of 2018, right? Was their plan? Somewhere in there. And and I I think ultimately they want to move it off of Netflix and onto their streaming service. And Netflix is fighting it, which I think rightfully so, because Netflix produced these shows. They put the money into it. They produced this show. Why in, on, on any creation would you let Disney just run off with something you made? And you put the money into. I mean, like, so what do you guys, I mean, this is huge. I mean, to us in the geek world... This is huge. We are now about to see our worlds collide, you know, as it were. We're going to get, uh, finally, Wolverine back in with the same universe with Charles Xavier and Magneto and Galactus. And like you said, you know, like Doctor Doom, all these things suddenly go back. Galactus goes back. Silver Surfer goes back. So what, what do they do? Now, Kevin Feige has said they've held off on talking about... Phase four. Phase four at all. And they kept asking, why, 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 why? Well, apparently it's come out now that Feige knew that this was in the works. And so... I can can see the advertisement for phase four being phase four, and then phase fades out, and a circle forms around the four, and just... Oh, I am. (laughs) That, oh, dude, see, now that, I never thought about that. They're going to do something Phase fantastic four, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, how how cool would that be? Because we talked about it, they're out of characters... To really boost new tentpole films and introduce in new movies that are, are big names, but Fantastic Four, 
X-Men, Doctor Doom, these are still name recognition characters enough that they could then go, okay, here comes a real Phase 4 with some pillars. To, right, because we were looking up. at Avengers last episode saying there's not many Avengers left for them to really start getting into. Well, now if you open up the mutant side of things, it's kind of like, bleh, you know, like there's oh, tons yeah. of characters for them to start going after on and the mutant we'll, side and of things. And we'll see the damn costumes. Yes, because that's what Marvel I, does. I really hope we don't see the stylized, you know, X Men. I, I want to see the costumes. I want to see Wolverine in the Wolverine costume. Yeah. I want to see Scott Summers actually in the freaking tights with the blue, you know, everything visor and all. I want to see Phoenix looking like the Phoenix. Right. I don't think they'll do the tights because again, uh. they don't quite do tights in the Marvel universe. <laughs> no, you're right. They, they modify but it to it'll look be a jumpsuit tactical. style or something. Yeah, it'll be tactical, but style. it'll still but be, I'll be the okay costumes. with that. I mean, Doctor Strange right. has a big red cape that flies around. They did it. They made it work. Right. So right. It's, they're gonna still stick with the looks, but they'll they'll modernize them. Yeah. But I just don't want to lose the X Men First Class story arc. I think we would. Unfortunately, I think I know, we would. I know, but I, I, I actually like. Well, that's I what the new dark. It. That's what the Dark Phoenix movie coming out is all about. That they've just put on the cover of Entertainment Weekly. Right. Is that they're releasing a Dark Phoenix movie in that universe with those characters from Age of Apocalypse and stuff that were introduced. So, so does that get rolled back? I mean, like it, they'll they'll release it, but does that mean it'll be the last, or will they contract those people to come play the characters on the Disney side? Maybe I, I don't know. Well, and then the other side of me says, well, you've already got this new mutant movie made. That's supposed to come out very soon. The horror movie. Which, uh, which is, is horror movie-esque. <laughs> Will Disney yank that? Because to me, it doesn't look like it fits into the Disney side of the universe. Why would you let that go out? It looks bad for them. If, well, if, these things were being made, I think, before that. I get it. Before it happened. And if, if just in case, the, the, the whole deal didn't go through, you still got to be producing product. So this is true. So they had to keep them going. I get that. It's just, you know, I don't know. Does Disney blo- try to block that? I mean, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, that's that's a weird one. And then, then there's the bigger property here that, that we wanted to talk about, which is Deadpool and Ryan Reynolds yep. as Deadpool because he's kind of the one that kind of called the whole thing. I mean, I thought it was hysterical that there was kind of like a little Twitter war this, this past week mm-hmm. about this. Ryan Reynolds had a tweet. Time to uncork that explosive sexual tension between Deadpool and Mickey Mouse. And yeah. he, he has a, a, a click to a link. And then Chris Evans responded... So who do I talk to about a Cap Human Torch buddy comedy spinoff? I'm thinking planes, trains, and automobiles meets Parent Trap. Same, <laughs> same, same uh, article clicked through. You know, it, and then somebody said something about a. Uh, personally, we prefer a Korg thing pairing better, which is basically the thing looks like Korg from Thor yeah, Ragnarok. They're both rock creatures, right? And uh, Michael Chiklis is Thor. Yeah. <laughs> or um, oh, thing. Yeah. So you know it. It is an interesting thing to think about that Deadpool is now part of the Disney universe. Now, there could be... Okay, let's still say, inevitably, it looks like it's going to happen. We're not there yet. I'm going to say it's happening. (laughs) (laughs) But here's the thing that that I know what Ryan Reynolds is worried about. Disney doesn't do rated R. Right. Ever. I have never seen a rated R Disney movie. There's not one that I know of that I can think of. How do you do Deadpool two? Well, Deadpool two is coming out anyway. It's going to be it's it's. Produced. I get that, but how do you do it under the Disney tutelage and have it? Re- I just don't. I don't see Disney signing off on that. You think I they won't don't. release the second they'll film it? And they won't release it. I don't I, think, that's I don't think they will. I don't think that. I think they will. <coughs> I just either that or they're going to make it. They're going to edit it to make it. When's Deadpool two supposed PC-13? to come out? I mean, the filming's done. I know principal photography completed. Okay, anything that's done right now is still underneath the box banner. 
It hits theaters on June 1st. Yeah, so it's... And look at that. It's gone from a February release of the first movie to a tentpole summer film, the right. second, second movie. Anything... Go ahead, Gary. Okay, anything that's, that's already made is still underneath the Fox banner. So the, Disney won't be able to touch none of so the... So you think Fox will be able to keep the rights to, like, New Avengers and Deadpool 2, at least yeah. until till they, re- yeah, till they release those? Right. All right. Okay, now when it goes on their, their streaming stuff, you know, then it'll be... Edited. Fox's or Disney's right to do whatever they want to do with right. the movie. Right, which right. is scary because they could edit it. Now, the thing is... No more calendar girl. The, 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 thing, that, <laughs> the, the thing that I think everybody's missing here is is it's going to fall underneath the Marvel banner, not yeah. the Disney banner. But you're right. All right, so they could still theoretically make R-rated movies. Right. It just won't be a Disney... R-rated movie. Right. right. I get what you're saying. You know, we've got Marvel films doing Civil War in which, you know, Bucky executes two people. Yeah. The violence may not be, like, right in your face, but the movies still have... Close. The movies are still pretty strong. Yeah. Even for PG-13 movies. But, but the swearing is the part. The right. swearing and the sexual innuendo, which <laughs> is such a huge part That's why I was saying Calendar of, Girl. Yeah, it's such a... Such a huge part of Deadpool. Yeah. Are you going to still have someone saying, you look like a testicle with teeth? <laughs> Are you going to still get those kind of lines from a Disney Deadpool? Probably not. I wouldn't think so. I don't so. know. Again, it would be underneath the Marvel banner. It won't be a Disney... I get, I get what you're saying. You know. So how cool would it be to have Deadpool show up even for a split second in an Avengers film? Oh, yeah. He's su- it's such a... Even just to laugh at something and he, walk away. I mean, away, this is you know? the thing, though. It's such an alternate... Visual, uh, such an alternate take with the fourth wall breaking, it's really hard to mix in. I mean, even Guardians of the Galaxy, I know they're going to do it, and I'm thinking they're going to succeed at it. I trust the Russo brothers to do it well with Avengers 4. Yeah. Even them, I thought, wow, they're very different from the rest of the Marvel Universe. But I see they've brought with Thor Ragnarok and the kind of way they've uh-huh. gone. They're, they're, they've brought the tonal pieces to kind of a harmony. Right. But Deadpool, tonally, is so out there different it's going to be really hard to bring him into a Marvel Universe film. It's X-Men and things like that, much easier because you, you recreate them to fit the, the, they'll still work. But, but Deadpool in all Deadpool glory, at least in the way they're doing in the movies, it's a tough insertion. It's gonna be no a, pun intended. It's going to be a huge code switch. Yeah. Huge. I still think that next week, if they're going to do an announcement, it should just be a picture. It should just be footage of Hugh Jackman standing there with the hair done a little up like Wolverine, and he puts one hand up and claws pop out, and he goes, "Bring it, Captain!" And there you go. It's just like yeah, or just I'm back, bitches, or something like that. <laughs> so yeah, it'll it'll be either this is going to be the, like the most amazing geek thing ever, and every geek's going to be like yes, or. It's going to be the biggest cluster, and we don't know what to do with it. If they're smart, they'll keep people like the Russo brothers around oh, to, I, to manage I, these they've things. They've got to. They've got to. I mean, either that or they got to keep... Favreau. Thank you, John, John Favreau. Favreau. Mm-hmm. they got to keep somebody like that in, in tune and in touch yeah. with everything, too. So, all right. So that, those were our thoughts on several different subjects. We'd love to hear from you, so head on over to our website, galaxycast.com. What, what was that website? <laughs> oh, I thought... <laughs> I was running out of air, galaxycast.com. Uh, head over to, or, or email us at galaxycast at gmail.com, or find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, mm-hmm. and, YouTube. And, and, and as Bobby kept saying, we're talking about Star Wars. Yeah. So if you got any Star Wars questions on what we just talked about, please, yeah, br- yeah, yeah, yeah. Please, please ask. Yeah. <laughs> I got Star Wars on the brain, people. I can't help it. Last Jedi is coming out, and I really want to see Last Jedi, so I'm so excited about it. 
I also can't wait for my countdown clock to end on my computer. That'll be kind of cool. <laughs> so that's what we thought for the for this these uh, topics. We'd love to hear from you, and we'll be back in just a little bit after our break. We're going to talk about the next episode of Star Wars Rebels. Let's hope it was better than last week's yeah, episode. Let's hope. So we'll be back in just a little bit. Hey, Galaxy Cast fans! It's that time of the episode again. It's another trivia episode. That's right. We have more free swag to give away to you. We have five packs of the Star Wars Pocket Model Trading Card Game and another pair of exclusive Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace in 3D glasses to give away to you. We're going to read an, uh, another question from the Obsessed with Star Wars book. And again, if you want to answer this question correctly, please make sure that you email us at galaxycast at gmail.com. Put in your title, trivia question, answer, and make sure you answer the trivia question with your name in the actual email so that we know who you are and what your answer is. So our question for this time around. Who was the Angry Jedi Knight fighting alongside Kit Fisto during the Battle of Geonosis? Was it A, Pablo Jill, B, Ki Adi Mundi, C, Mace Windu, or D, Stas Ali? So again, the question was, who was the Angry Jedi fighting alongside Kit Fisto during the Battle of Geonosis? Make sure you email your answers to galaxycast at gmail.com. We have this episode and two more, and then we are done giving away prizes for a while, folks. So good luck, and may the Force be with those who listen. Look, what's that ahead? Are those asteroids? No, they're commercials. We'll be right back. You love her. You cherish her. But let's face it, she's a lot. I can't eat anything here. Because she's provocative. Because she's magnetic. Because there's always something. There's nobody good here. You give her the sun, the moon, and the stars. But for now, give her something to distract her. Cartier presents the diamond-encrusted fidget spinner. 14-karat gold embedded with princess-cut diamonds designed to calm her because she, quote, has anxiety. So fast. You do you and her do that. Balancing it. She's vivacious. She's feisty. She told you she's thinking of opening a restaurant. And you're like, I guess. <laughs> Give her something to focus on. Because let's face it, she's been reading The Goldfinch for two years. She litters. She has to take cabs because her Uber rating is so low. When she's around gay men, it's exactly how you think it would be. And you know, she's a completely different person with her family. Hi, Daddy! Intriguing, addictive, a way to pass the time. I'm talking about the fidget spinner. Hey, can we go? I'm really sick. Hey. Okay. Cartier Fidget Spinner. Because God, the sex is good. Hey, 
This portion of the show is being brought to you by Whatever We Have in Stock Are Us, your one-stop place to shop for whatever we happen to have lying around at the time. The Force is back. The Rebels won't tire till they see the last of the Empire. And Kenner's there with Star Wars Return of the Jedi Collection. Doctor, start report. All's quiet at the security shield. That shield and guard's gotta go. I'll cause the diversion. Han Solo, Logre, Chief Chirpa, and Biker Scout, each so separately. Yahoo! Why, you little Ewok? Let the rock roll! The rock hit! Han Solo, Chief Chirpa, Biker Scout, and Logre action figures each so separately from Kenner's Star Wars Return of the Jedi Collection. own a business or a podcast? Are you looking for ways to expand the audience you reach? Then Star Productions could help you. Southern Tier Audio Recording Productions started off as a homegrown audio recording company, offering professional recordings for aspiring musicians. It is now a multifunctional business offering DJ services, recording, and advertising services to those who own businesses and podcasts. Email us at galaxycast at gmail.com with the subject advertising if you are interested. We look forward to creating a professional commercial for you that can be used in this podcast or even at your local radio station. Many have exclaimed that our services are out of this world. Thank you for your patience during our galactic promotions. And now we return to the Galaxy Cast. Hey folks, welcome back to this episode of the Galaxy Cast as we review our latest episode of Star Wars Rebels titled Flight of the Defender. Also retitled, well, they've got it again. I, I, what a difference an episode makes. Like, yeah. Well, the... The last well, episode, as we admitted, could have been the first five minutes of this episode. The whole last episode. It could episode. have been, yeah. I mean, like... It, <clears throat> okay. Go ahead, Gary. The person that wrote it. Okay. You think that makes that much of a difference? Yes. Well, let's see. So who wrote this one? Dave Filoni. Dave Filoni, Dave Filoni wrote so it. So who wrote the last episode? I'm not even really sure. Let's let's take that look at that a second. Because, I mean, it's a valid point that Dave Filoni wrote this one. Who's the writer of this Christopher one? Christopher Yost. So someone entirely different. Which, again, leads to the different feelings. Right. It's very... And it's very different. I mean, it's not yeah. even, like, partially different. It is very different feeling from the last episode to this one. So, long story short, we finally find the TIE fighter they've been looking for. Called this a is tie, the TIE fighter you're looking for. Yeah, this is the TIE fighter you're looking for. Yeah, the the B- TIE Defender, right? The BB-8 version. <laughs> well, okay, yeah. I mean, it does... that. The center body's got that BB-8 look. I can't wait to see BB-8 next week in the movie. I'm sorry. I, I'm excited about that. But, uh, yeah, it's got, like, a, that weird look to it in the center. I, we we did notice that several times. Now it's, it's the Tide Defender, right, is my Elite. understanding. What's that? The Tide Defender Elite. Elite. Okay, so this is the Elite version of the Tide Defender. I mean, it's an awesome-looking craft. I mean, I knew when we got into the Tide Defender, we were going to look at that tri-winged look. Um, I never thought of the lasers coming out of all three wings. I still thought they would come out of the center ball like they do with all every other TIE fighter. So I thought that was kind of cool that, you know, one of the advantages is that all three wings have that going on. Plus we had rockets, which mm-hmm. was kind of cool. That's a, that's a new advantage that we've never seen come out of a TIE fighter. So basically just we see them looking over this this canyon at where this TIE defender is. And they basically, they want to gather intel to take back to the Rebels and tell them about this machine. Well, then they come up with this brilliant plan that they don't just need pictures or 
you know, basic intel. They want more. So they decide that Sabine comes up with it. Sabine comes up with the idea of going in to get the flight the data, data recorder. Flight <laughs> recorder, which you know you would think is just a black box. Right. No, it's, it's, it's a decent size. It's about the size of a computer. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, like, I mean, like, okay, Bob, okay, in Rogue One, yes, the floppy disk was about this big. Oh, I know, right? Like, <laughs> it was about a good foot and a half. I get it, I get it. But I was just like, wow, that is one right? big piece of They're equipment. still using mag- magnetic back tape backups <laughs> in the Star Wars universe. <clears throat> it's a tech. They didn't get the whole technology thing. Yeah, so. they forgot to upgrade to two point <laughs> and, and, and the computer bank of it is still a whole room. Yes, this is true. Yeah. <laughs> but you get what I'm saying, right? Like the flight data recorder was huge compared to everything else. I just that kind of slightly confused me. I, I but okay. So Sabine decides that they're going to go down there. They're going to get this flight data recorder, which will give them all sorts of weird stuff, like their gimbals and what how many miles they went and how fast they're going and what weapons they have and whether or not it's got a uh, hyperdrive and all this kind of stuff. So they go down there, her and Ezra decide they're going to do this together with the stupid Lothcats with them. Following them. Yeah. Following them. I say stupid only because that's my opinion, but we've got these Lothcats following around them like a typical cat would do. And so they get down there, and it's funny because as they're going down, Gary goes, well, those will be the distraction. Because I'm like, what's the point behind the Lothcat? And he's like, they'll be the distraction. And just as I said that, Ezra goes, we need a distraction. And the Lothcats walk out and right in front of the Stormtroopers. I'm like, well... I guess Gary just wrote that episode. But you know what? Dave Filoni wrote the episode, <laughs> so it totally makes sense. I still don't have a picture of you and Dave Filoni in the same room. <laughs> so, right. I, yeah, Dave Filoni here did write this episode. <laughs> this, the Lothcats go over to the Stormtroopers and basically attack Well, them. the Stormtroopers take a pot shot at them right. for fun, and then the, they jump on them and attack their helmets and knock them over. Which actually was kind of <clears> funny. It I was done it was okay. A, and then it was they, done okay. The cats run off, and the Stormtroopers run off after them. Right. Which is... It's just interesting how this very special base with this very important TIE Defender uh-huh. Elite has, like, no, no security. security at they're all. They're walking through the crates, and they're walking right up to the dang thing, and there's no outer perimeter. There's no. nothing. No, there's not even, like, a guard tower. <laughs> there's anywhere. not even a fence. <laughs> yeah. No, not even a fence. <laughs> it's a, Stewie must have been running this base, you know? Do we, need a, do, we need a, do we need a fence? Mm, let's get estimates, you know? like. <laughs> So, yeah, I have to admit, like, you've got this super secretive base, but there's no way to defend it. And I they mean, like, did the one throwaway line to try and explain that of, well, the base is out in the middle of nowhere. You yeah, know, These right. guys said that. That's what we get for having a base in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, so maybe, you know, they feel like they don't need. And and granted, the planet's been completely taken over by the Empire, so right. it's kind of an industrial military complex now anyway. But still, you'd think there'd be a little bit more. Maybe, in, maybe they've even gotten a little lax with their security because they've taken over the planet. Maybe. You know, that might be part of it. So the, so the, the stormtroopers leave. Sabine goes into the TIE Defender, and Ezra's there, and all of a sudden... A shuttle comes in. A shuttle comes in, and I called it. Yep. I, I had a feeling. It was Thrawn. Thrawn came out of the shuttle, and... and with <laughs> Governor Price. With Governor Price and two of the dark troopers, and they start walking towards the shuttle, and the... the the pilot there. The pilot, they, which they named, which really seemed in, obscure to me. I, I didn't really I think care. Volt Skurs. Yeah, whoever that oh, is. Oh, you picked that? That was good. Yeah, way, way to go, Gary. Yeah, wow. no problem. I read right off the screen. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see him. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, there he is. Volt <laughs> Skurs. I, I thought you like had an amazing memory. I'm like, wow, what are you taking well, all this? Well, I did, I did write the movie. This, the episode, <laughs> this is true, yes. So Volt Skurs, you know, he he tells Thrawn, I'm going to I'm gonna basically do a... 
a test for you. Yeah, we'll tour the ship and they'll do a demo. Yeah, like, like check this thing out. And so they go start walking towards the TIE Defender and Ezra's like, Sabine, get out of there, Sabine, get out of there. Now, the whole time we were all sitting there going, why are we just stealing the whole TIE Fighter? Like, like, you're in it. Like, why would you take just the data flight recorder? Why not take the whole kit and caboodle and get the heck out of Dodge? You know, like, uh, you know, it was funny that they were almost in our head slightly, you know. So as as Ezra is told to distract them, and he decides, well, he doesn't decide. What happens is well, he, he kind of gets forced into. He it. has a vision. Oh, that's right. The, I forgot about the Lothwolf. He sees the lo- one of the white Lothwolfs on the far hill staring at him, but he's right. not. Sh- he looks again, and it's not there. And he's all kind of confused for a second, and it gives a chance for one of the dark troopers to appear behind him. Actually, it was a tie fighter. Or a tie fighter. Uh, tie pilot. Tie pilot gets the drop on him. Me starts. <laughs> taking pot shots, he pulls out his lightsaber to defend and falls backwards into plain view of everybody. Yep, and I couldn't hit him to save my soul. No, yep, from two feet away. From two feet away. <laughs> and, and Ezra falls. You're right in a plain point. And then that's when it gets everybody's attention. And even they Sabine start all come running. Makes the comment about like, "Good job creating a distraction," yeah. you know. And even at that point, he gets Thrawn's attention. Well, who <laughs> I like bolts uh, a Jedi on here. How's that possible? Yeah, and then they tell them to, to capture him, right? Yeah, and I do like I like Thrawn's response, just being like Ezra Bridger. Interesting. Interesting. It's not like yeah. he was super surprised. No. as Thrawn never is. He's always just kind of contemplative. Which I think goes back to the character that that Thrawn is, and I thought was was done really well in the books by Timothy Zahn, and I think. Whoever's writing the character right now is doing well. It, it's it's Filoni, yeah, and Filoni's doing a great job of keeping Thrawn the way we've always pictured him, which is calm, cool, and collective under any circumstance. Yeah. So even though you've got this base that's being attacked, he's just cool. And he's I not thought even, he's not even worried when the Tide Defender flies off. I was about to say, like, I'm not surprised that he's the one standing there shooting at it with a blaster pistol as it's coming at him. Yep. And Gary, you said it was like Patton. It was like Patton, <laughs> and I totally forgot about that. That um, he's shooting at a tank, right, with a pistol. No, no. Uh, what the, was it? There's a Messerschmitt flying. That's right, Messerschmitt flying. Yeah, and he's just shooting handled. at it with his pearl-handled uh, pistol. Right. And it, you know, it, it was almost, uh, almost shot for shot. It looked like that that scene from the Patton movie. Uh, which was kind of cool, but at the same time, it's so Thrawn. You know, it's just something he would do. So they take off with the shuttle or with the the Tide Defender, and, and they Ezra blast a lot. In and they blast a lot of the base, but not all of it. They right, get, you know, a couple passes, take out as much as they can. Then they I take thought it off. was interesting that she shot at the stormtroopers and the Tie pilots, and you would have thought she shot Ezra too, considering all yeah. the things that blew up, and yet somehow he survives. I, I all right. She told him to get down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's what saved his life, yeah, getting right. down. You and, know. you know, she was shooting from the high ground, so she was okay. <laughs> She's not a Jedi, though. That doesn't work. So Ezra jumps up onto the ship, and miraculously they start attacking the base. And and it was funny because they were shooting everything, and Gary's like, shoot the shuttle, dang it, shoot the shuttle. And then they came back, and they shot the shuttle, and they, they fulfilled Gary's prophecy. And, oh, by the way, they buzzed the tower. Yeah. Yeah, so just like Top Gun. Yep. The only thing that would have been funnier is to have one of the Imperial officers drinking coffee. Yes. That would have been awesome. And it spills all over him. And it spills all over him. And then later on have him going, you know, like, because, well, I think that'll deal with the buzz of the tower. (laughs) So, you know, that was kind of a nice mini homage to to, to Top Gun, I thought. Yep. There there was a couple of them in there. There were a couple in there, yeah. 
So they take off, and, and, and Ron determines, hey, this is an excellent test of your ship. Let's send some interceptors after it to see, see what it can do. See what it can well, do. his best line was, so is this part of the demonstration? Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Is this part of the demonstration? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> almost like, you know, almost he half expected that to happen. So they send TIE defenders after it, and this is where... TIE interceptors. TIE interceptors. And before you. we get to that scene, Go ahead. we do have to mention the best scene in the entire episode. Oh, Two yeah, stormtroopers right. are yeah. way out, way out. In they the middle of, like, they probably walked a good half mile away from the base, chasing these still chasing these two the cats, and they're tired and they're about to give up. They're like, "Oh, forget it. I, I'm done with this." And then all of a sudden, like, "What's that noise?" And here comes the, the Ezra Bridger and the <laughs> flying the tie inter, the tie uh, defender inter, defender elite zooms over him. You know, the sound yeah, knocks, knocks him over down. and everything takes over him. And it could have been a dumb scene, but they Somehow they totally went for it, and it was actually yeah. funny. I, I agree with Gary. It almost I almost feel like. They should keep walking and join the rebellion. <laughs> like they should have named them or something. Like yeah. T- was, TK five five three and five five four and tag and bank. Right. Like later have them you know yeah, show tag up and tag and bank. <laughs> 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 they have to be in there for a while and they're like, oh, let's go get these lockheads. <laughs> I just think it would be funny if later on those two guys end up joining the rebellion because yeah. they just kept walking away. Yeah. But did you uh, did you hear by the way? As a quick aside, the characters of tag and bank are in the Han Solo movie. Are they seriously? Yes, in? they they oh are. Boy. I don't know how much, but they're at even least, if they're just in the background. I think they're just a background kind of name check thing. I think it's just to canonize them even more. And Still, that's just awesome. If yeah, they are. they are. That's cool. Someone posted a Twitter pic and said, "You know, they they oh, put them in." So, so anyway, they they take off with this tie defender, and they're getting chased by the tie interceptors. And <laughs> they're, they're trying to figure out who's flying it, flying it. right? Which and at this point out. they they had switched because this was not this was not Sabine. Ezra took over, so Sabine could turn off. They figured out that they were probably being tracked, so she wanted to turn off the tracker. And in the meantime, the tie interceptors are flying really poorly. Um, yeah, it must have been me and Ian and a couple <laughs> others flying them because. It was just not good flying. I mean, they're they're pretty much running right into. Well, the, here's the thing. Although there's some good strategies they, being used. They by Ezra. hit the thing a bunch of times. Oh yeah, and it was taking every single. Pot it was shot taking at the it. shots, so it's yeah. like it did prove how good that ship is that it can basically outmaneuver and destroy. Didn't this just confirm for Thrawn that That's this is an amazing ship? You know. Well, what I mean? did you notice there what Thrawn even did? Is he said he 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 realized it was Sabine Wren stealing the ship? Right. But at the end. He said. He even said the line. Well, if Ezra Bridger is piloting it, he could tell by the flight, right? Way well, it was being flown. Who was flying it? Well, that was the thing. They were running. Well, who's who's flying it? And then the one guy goes, uh, Captain Sandoa. No, if no. it's Captain Sandoa, they'd have been wiped out already. <laughs> yeah, right. It would have been a done deal. Would have been dead already. And right. Then, then the transponder went off. He goes, Oh, it's the Mandalorian that did it. Yeah. But right. then he knows that Ezra he knows Richard was flying. Right. By the she end. couldn't so have been like, flying, so Ezra had to be flying. He's, right. he's a smart guy. But Ezra did some amazing maneuvers, too. He did I some mean, pretty like, good ones. Like the one going straight up and just dropping down. The other one was the, the other top breaks. gun, yeah. Menage. Yeah. Uh, Menage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> I, I didn't see that scene. <laughs> <laughs> delete, delete. <laughs> yeah, that was one that didn't make the cut on uh, Top Gun. Yeah. Okay. So, so the, the Top Gun homage where he put the air brakes on and they yep. went flying by. Yep, and that was filmed nicely. That that was fun filmed really well. And that, well. that whole flight sequence, even though, like you said, the, the Tide interceptors weren't the most skilled. Right. It was still a nicely done air battle. You right. Know, there, the choreography in it was and pretty decent. You pointed out even the supporting music behind it was kind of cool because it was, it was the music from the asteroid yes. field from Empire Strikes Back. And, and, and at least l- some of the flourishes were. Right. And the one little touch I liked of it was when the... 
the fender was going straight up. Yeah, it broke the sound barrier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The halo and everything. Yeah, awesome. you saw the halo and all the I mean, yeah. the sky streak behind it, which was yeah. kind of cool too. So there was a lot of little cool little touches to this little flight, and then they suddenly realized that this tie defender has a kill switch. And Sabine, well, they beat the three. They beat the, they three, beat pilots, the three pilots, and obviously. Bringing back. And yep. that's when Sabine says, "We need to keep this because it has hyperdrive." Right. And they could get off the planet if they have a hyperdrive. But then she also discovers the kill switch. Yeah, yes. when, when she turned the transponder out, that's when she saw the, the kill switch. Yeah, and that's when they realize that's and when they're realize. miles in the air. So right. it's like, oh crap! So they're trying to get down to the ground as quick as they can. And meanwhile, Thrawn, let's flip the kill switch. Let's do it. And the they test do is it. over. And it's funny because it almost looked like the old. Well, the one I have hanging in my room, the old X wings, where you push the button and <laughs> yeah. the two wings come off. I wonder, right? if, that like, was, I wonder if that was, I was a almost, homage too. Yeah, I was probably. wondering if it was like an homage to the old toy, and the two bottom wings came off, and it's going to the ground. And then again, it looked like the body of BB-8 by yep. the time it was sitting down on the ground. And there was some good humor there too, where they <laughs> fell down, and then Sabine's helmet hits Ezra in the head. head yeah. You know, I was kind of hoping that the last wing would have sheared off, and then the the bulb just, just kept rolling. rolling. I know. I was gonna, yeah, then I, no, I would definitely call it BB. Yeah. <laughs> So they get out of the ship, and then they decide, well, okay, they can't use the ship, but they can still use the hyperdrive. So they decide to pull the hyperdrive out of the ship yeah. and drag it away. This is one of those. This this kind of... This is and the, you, you had said, just before we got to this point, like, all right, how can they screw up yeah, the last Yeah, we're two-thirds into the movie, <laughs> in the episode, how are they going to screw up the last ten minutes? And I think the taking of the hyperdrive, while they're making it a necessity, because they've kind of reiterated over and over how they can't get off this planet, right. it... Slogged there it the is. episode. It <laughs> slogged the episode a bit, yeah. and it seemed kind of silly. And there was visual logistics that also didn't work because they take the hyperdrive, they drag it to a nearby cave, they make it very clear that this thing's not easy to carry, and it's leaving a drag trail. And they put it in a cave and push a stone like, well, there they won't find it, except for the paved road of drag that you have that leads right to the cave that you don't clean up. No, so no, it's no, like no, logically no. that made no they, sense. They won't find it. They'll go comb the desert and they won't find shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I, I yes, I, I agree know. with you on all of that, and and that is kind of a little bit of a ridiculous part. But yeah. then it gets a little mystical here. Yes. I guess is the best way to put it. You know, Sabine. It kind of changes feel for the last ten minutes. Right, it does. Uh, you know, all of a sudden the wolf comes back. Yep, he keeps seeing it. And he keeps seeing it, and what happens to Sabine that she's <laughs> she turns? It kind of breathes, on, breathes her, on her, and she passes out. So does that bad breath? Like I'm trying to figure out like what caused her to. to it's pass some kind out. of Jedi mind trick almost. It's something with the force. I really think these things are tied to the force, and she basically had the whammy put on her. I get it. Okay, so like a, almost like a force whammy. Yeah. But you you mentioned Eric, and I kind of agree with you that this was like a, a throwback to the idea that Ezra has this connection with animals. They played on the it season. a little bit. It was big in the first season, especially that one episode where that big monstrous red eyed thing came out of the. He it was brought like it a up. Spider type thing. Well, yeah. He brought it up out of the cave. That, and it was you started. It was the first hint that maybe Ezra has a dark side to him when this big red eyed monster right. came out, and he was kind of controlling it. And then they haven't. They've only done little bits and pieces for like three seasons. You barely touched on this idea of him communicating with the animals and stuff. And now they're bringing it back with this. And I, I really felt like that was first done with the Loth cats. When they're sitting there and they say we need a distraction, it's not like the cats understood him. Right. But I think subconsciously he's just, just giving out the wanted. vibe because he can right. influence animals. And they sensed, oh, we need to go over and lead these guys away in their own mind because of him having that ability. So that's the first taste I got of it. And then later with the wolf, he's like pretty much directly communicating. Right. It's, it's, it lets it, 
Sabine gets knocked out. It goes down on, and it's got a white love cat on its head, right. which I don't know if that was really even there. I feel like he's seeing things that might not entirely be there. Well, you even mentioned we wonder if the loath wolf is even there at all. Yeah. Like, or is that all in his head or... It it does weird leave you with this weird mystical thought like yeah. is he the only one seeing or is it real or so he I was just waiting for one person yeah. to go I see dead people you know like but he basically it lets him and Sabine ride it and they right. take off on it and they get back quicker and the wolf says one thing to Ezra before he left he asks why and the only thing out of the wolf's mouth we're pretty sure this is what he said it sounds like a word it sounded like doom yeah it's really growly it's barely it but it sounds like doom. And I, I, that'll be interesting to see what that means. Because like, well, he asked, why did you help us? Right. And is the Lothwolf doomed? Is the planet doomed? Are is they Ezra doomed? doomed? And maybe he's doomed to turn to the dark side? I, you know, there's a lot of cool things that this could imply. Mm-hmm. And so it was wolf, kind of cool that you got that. wolf vanishes. Thing. Wolf vanishes. They No one else sees it. No one else sees it. <laughs> they they get their flight date flight uh, data flight recorder thing and... They tell them they've got a hyperdrive to get off the planet, and they're that's that's they're setting up for the next episode to go and retrieve the hyperdrive. Right, which, you know, then the the stormtroopers are not going to see the, the drag trail, so it's still going to be there. Right, and the loath wolf also helped them avoid the gunships that were trying to yeah. find them too. They they had a search party out trying to find them, and the loath wolf helped them with that. And that pretty much sums up the episode, yeah, at least yeah. until the next one. So, so. It, it started off as a kind of typical, you know. Yeah. Uh, episode with the split up group and do the recon like they've been doing forever. It's like, how much recon are they going to get on the Empire? <laughs> know, right? And you thought that was going to be it. Then it turned into a, oh, we're going to take, at first you thought it was going to be bad, but then it got more interesting as they stole the thing and Thrawn showed up and then the flight was really cool and the crash was done pretty well and then it got mystical and then it ended. So it was like a very patchwork set of approaches to the entire episode. Yet it still seemed to work. You know yeah. what I mean? Like even though we had all this going on, and it's funny because you have all this going on, and then you look at the last episode, and like you said, you could have done that in five minutes. They arrived on a planet and, and almost, tunnels. It almost makes me think, do the last one in five minutes and give this one a little more time to let some of this stuff play out. So this one felt very crushed. It did feel a little rushed, Compared yeah. to the last one, you know. But it also tells me that the quality is at least there, and there is some good writing going on, even if it's Dave Filoni. It depends on who who's writing it, and who's directing it. Yeah. And, and, it's, and again, so here's another good episode in amongst – would have been some arrays of bad ones. So there definitely is an A and B team here. Yep. The A team was in this one. I, I absolutely agree with you. So should we rate this one like we always do? So yeah. zero being a don't bother, 10 being a must see. Anybody want to go first? I'll go. Okay. Go ahead. I'll give it a solid seven. Okay. I don't think it still wasn't super top notch. I have issues with the whole undefended base with the yeah. ease of sneaking onto their top ship. The fact that, when they went to steal it, it's like there's like six stormtroopers on this entire base and no one can hit Ezra. And granted, he's a Jedi, but, you know, there's no way to stop the ship at first. There is, but no one does anything about it. It gets away. It did lead to cool fights. It did lead to interesting stuff. The patchworkiness of it being what felt like almost three different types of episodes right. um, was a little bit jarring. And the uh, mysticalness at the end, obviously they're trying to – this is the thing that worries me. Are they pulling another lost like they always do? They're going to hint right. at stuff, and we're never going to get an answer. With all these other thread lines they've all done over the seasons, which we talked about an episode or two ago, so many threads yeah. not tied up. Is this going to be another one? I think that I, from the trailers we saw, there's more with these wolves, so I think they're at least going to get to more of it. But I hope it's satisfying. Right. The humor in the episode worked for me. Um, almost all of them I thought was pretty entertaining. So while it wasn't perfect, it definitely was good and 
as we always say, is it a must-see and does it lead into the next episodes? This one clearly does. And it's starting whatever is going to be going on with these wolves, which I think will be important. So it's important to see the episode. So I give it a solid seven. Okay. Gary, what do you think? I'm agreeing with Eric. I give it a solid seven. Okay. I like the uh, Top Gun homages mm-hmm. or m- menages or whatever. Menages, that's it. Thank you. Had enough comedy in it to keep me interested in it, but I don't need the comedy in it. Thrawn showing up was awesome. Mm-hmm. And the, the Patton. Yeah, the whole feel of that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I like that, too. So, I was actually going to give this one a six. And and I'm giving it a six because there's four detractors for me throughout the entire episode. The first detractor for me, you mentioned earlier, Eric, was the 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 tactical side of it all. We've got very close combat fights yet again, and they're missing from two feet away, which is absolute craziness. Yeah. The data flight recorder. I, I'm sorry, you know, you're talking about futuristic science fiction, and the data flight recorder is bigger than my my desktop computer right yeah. now, which is craziness. But remember, Bob, <clears throat> it was a long, long time ago. You know, in a galaxy far, far away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. Mm-hmm. Be- Still, before solid state media was invented. Sure. Yeah. Right. The Revolutionary War hasn't even happened yet. Yet, meanwhile, Jedis have touchscreens on their actual uh, starfighters. Just pointing that out. That's Jedi. Uh, and 3D, and 3D uh, uh, holograms. So I'm just, you know, throwing that out there. Just but, but, but they're Food Jedis. for thought. <laughs> so so that's, that's number two for me. Number three for me was the Lothcats. I'm sorry. I was not a fan of the Lothcats before. I'm less of a fan of the Lothcats now. I don't know if they were totally necessary. It was a MacGuffin you could use completely something different on. Yeah. Not sure it was a, a, a great viable moment there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Come on, the Rebellion just got two Stormtroopers. <clears throat> I and I do think that they were a little bit needed because they hinted at his animal connection yeah. at the beginning, which led into more later. Right. I mean, it, it maybe wasn't needed, but it helped at least for me to make that arch. I guess, I guess. But it was a drawback for me. Okay. I, maybe just because I'm not a fan of the Lothcat. I don't like the way they're drawn. There's the other, something yeah, about the way head, they're drawn. Well, there's perfectly circular heads are weird. Right. They it kind of like doesn't Pac-Man heads. fit in with whatever else is being drawn behind it. And also, why does every animal on this planet start with Loth? It's not like we call it I know, right? you know, Earth Wolves and <laughs> Earth Cats and Earth Whales. Maybe no. we should. So Maybe we should. Earth Fish. <laughs> Earth Dog. <laughs> <laughs> so that was number three. So for number four for me was yet again Ezra went through an entire episode where he's deflecting lightsabers, doing all these things. Where's his force abilities? Yeah. Why wasn't he force pushing a guy? Like you said, why wasn't he <laughs> deflecting shots back at a stormtrooper instead of just deflecting it off into the, into the space somewhere? So there, there was just kind of this weird, like, you have these force abilities, but you're still not using them. Like, I don't, I don't, part of me doesn't get that. So that, to me, that's the four major detractors that made this a, a six out of ten. So, any other thoughts? I mean, like, was there anything in here that kind of stuck out for you guys? What, what was your favorite moment of the episode? Let's put it that way. Oh, since the two, we're the all two stormtroopers out and out f- giving up on chasing the Lothcats, and then the tie, tie uh, defender elite flying over him. I just thought it was it was just timed well. How about for you, Gary? Uh, Thrawn shooting at the uh, okay. defender. For me, it was the whole battle between the tie interceptors and the tie defender. I just loved that the great shots in that whole sequence. Oh, yeah. And and it, I just wish to God they could get their act together on their choreography. Yeah, because you I have know. an action-heavy series that is poor in its action execution. Yeah, and that's so hard to get past. And I hope that if they decide to do another cartoon show, they're taking notes <laughs> on how not to do these action scenes so they don't keep doing this because this is just awful as far as action is concerned. Yeah. 
Okay, so those are our thoughts on this episode of Star Wars Rebels. We'd love to hear from you. Again, write to us at galaxycast at gmail.com. Find us on YouTube. Find us on Facebook. Find us on Twitter. We are out there in the Twitterverse as well. Find us on YouTube because you get to see our raw feed and our pretty faces, or if you don't want to see us, then don't ever do that. Uh, So we'd love to see what you guys have to say. We'd love to hear from you. And oh, by the way, don't forget there are still contests going on to win free swag from the Galaxy Cast because we are still past that episode 200 and there's all sorts of cool free swag coming your way so listen for those as we like to say here in the stars production studios may the force be with those who listen thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast we hope you enjoyed this show were it not for you our loyal listeners this show would not exist We appreciate your time and want to hear from all of you, since our podcast is by fans and for fans. Head on over to our website at galaxycast.com to find out more about our show. Write to the show by sending an email to galaxycast at gmail.com. If you have something positive to say, use the subject line, We like and use a show. If you have a complaint, make your subject line, You fail for the last time. And look for the Galaxy Cast on social media, including Facebook, Twitter, and other media soon to come. Carry on, wayward travelers. Warp Factor 2. First star to the left, straight on till morning.